0: coming to the end of the episode that we recorded on monday we were talking about so many different things that were really relevant and current to like what's currently happening right now and i feel like just that bit i don't know where it is if it's like i don't know like 40 minutes or something that bit maybe it's like 10 minutes i feel like we should put that first or somewhere just before every before everything basically because it's so relevant to what's happening. And it also changes what transforming care means. When we first um, recorded the introduction last year in 2019, I think it was September or something, we were living in a completely different state, like just in a completely different world entirely. And transforming care at that time would have been so relevant to what's going on with care needs yes this is relevant for care leavers something needs to be done something needs to be changed now as we've gone through this journey and come into 2020 one of like the craziest years ever i feel like transforming care has changed like the meaning has changed it isn't really about care leavers anymore it's kind of about everyone now it's about you know everyone that's facing some sort of oppression or some sort of like injustice due to the capitalist system, due to the system that just isn't working anymore, whether this is racism or people that have been wrongly um, like incarcerated or care leavers or some sort of discrimination or even just poor people. And this is like what everyone in their interviews have mentioned, you know, with Kate Morris, she mentioned it was poor people facing this injustice because they're poor. That's why social services are coming to take away their kids with what's currently going on right now, it just seems like it makes so much sense to start with this, like as a way of telling everyone we're aware of what's going on and we realize that transforming care can't just be about transforming the lives of people that are growing up in care, but transforming care for everyone that has faced some sort of injustice or oppression from a system that just isn't working anymore, which is really just a capitalist system because it governs everything and everyone. And um, it also gives a sense of hope as well. It's like we're aware of what's going on. And I feel like because of that awareness, we're able to make other people aware and help other people realize that definitely change needs to happen and take place. Okay, tell me what you think about that. And yeah, I'm going to have a listen to the episode that you sent me.
1: Hello everyone, this is Jake from Transforming Care. Joy and I recorded what we thought would be our final episode the other day, but she came up with the idea of using it for the introduction, or at least for a teaser. Because as you heard from the voice note, there's a lot of learning that we've done over the course of this journey. And we thought it would be a good idea to share that with you before getting into the introduction and the interviews themselves. So this is taken from July 2020 and is a slight overview of the kind of things we've learned in the time that we've done this. Please enjoy the teaser for Transforming Care. Care means to me not showing affection and love for the
0: people around you, um, belonging, belonging to to something, and wanting to look after something. That's what care means for me. Uh, like throughout, you know, some of the interviews that we have like conducted, um, I've sort of like had a listen to what their alternatives were to like a care system. And some of the sort of like solutions that we need to bring about in the care system. And yeah, I thought it would be a really good idea for us to talk about that. Um, So we'll start with Siobhan's interview because that was like a really powerful interview. And Siobhan is, you know, somebody who has experienced care. So I feel like her, um, you know, insight is going to be something that a lot of care leavers would agree with. So she had that we need to first and foremost change the mentality of everyone in the care system. And um, it needs to be children's rights first and foremost. Um, and this just means that like, you know, young people need to be put at the forefront. They need to be the ones who have the say when it comes to redesigning the, si- the system and you know, making decisions that's gonna, that's gonna impact us and affect us for entire lives that we spend in care and after. And she also mentioned that there needs to be like a 360 sort of like review of not just the care system, but all systems that ultimately affect uh, young people in care. So this is like the police department, mental health services, um, hospitals and um, clinics and GPs and things like that, and train people within these sectors to actually be... um, to deal with like care leavers and people that are growing up in care specifically trained in a way that they know how to um, conduct themselves when they're around care leavers and be able to offer the best quality treatment and service for young people
1: Uh, yeah I, i mean i completely agree i think that the the thing that she said that really um resonated with me it wasn't even necessarily anything she said, but it was just uh, like the fact that her life experiences were such a clear example of how the system has I- is not fit for purpose, and that it's as if the child uh, or the young person who's in care or is interacting with the police or uh, is in homelessness services, like. It's as if that person is the least important thing in the whole way the system is structured and, and that they are a burden to, to it rather than them being the most important thing and the people that uh, should be served by the system. Yeah,
0: I 100% agree. And I love the point that you made about um, everyone looking at the young person as if they're the, they're the burden and it's so true. It's like we come out of foster care, or we come out of a really abusive home, for instance, and into foster care, and it just seems as if y- the child is the problem. Now you're the problem. Now you have this a social worker. Now you have, you know, all these people you have to answer to, and it's like, well, that's just taking me from trauma and bringing me into another, you know, traumatic situation and experience. And this needs to be reevaluated. This needs to be reassessed, and designed so that the young person isn't seen as a problem or doesn't feel as if they're the problem but actually somebody that needs help <laughs> and needs aid
1: yeah and also like you said like have, has the answers to to their situation and um, you know we discussed you know I mentioned in the in the Caroline Willow uh, episode with article 39 that of course if there are young people in abusive relationships who don't want to leave those abusive relationships that's a really difficult thing and we there's like decisions have to be made about how we work with those young people to get out of those situations but there has to be an element of of having the young people make the decisions but just to kind of rip someone away and then put them in a system that then will traumatize them again is so far from the right answer. Mm-hmm.
0: And um I wanna touch on Anne Marie's interview and sort of her answers about, you know, alternative solutions. And I loved Anne Marie's interview. It was definitely one of my favourite. And she spoke a lot about empathy and community. And she says that this is what's needed in the care system. There isn't enough empathy and you know, there's you know, foster care is being paid to not hug, you know, the foster children that come into their care. And it just seems like everything is about money, everything is about rules, and everything is about just these outdated laws that aren't serving the child that is in foster care or is in in the care system. So she spoke about, you know, having something in place where there is a community that care leavers can be a part of so they can go for like, you know, for Sunday dinners and Christmas holidays and things like that. So once they do leave care, they don't feel so alone and by themselves and they have that community to go to.
1: Yeah, it was one of the only interviews that really discussed community as the as a valuable thing just in itself. Like I felt like she really understood that having other people around you who were able to empathize and who had been through the same thing or similar things was a really powerful way of healing, Mm -hmm. um, which I don't think was really touched on. I mean, I guess every other episode, like, you know, the episodes were focused on different.
0: Like aspects and things like that. Yeah,
1: exactly. Like they were focused on, yeah, on um, different parts of the care sector or the care system. So not everyone's gonna be, Mm and her focus is on empathy and and love and, and the role that plays. But I think that is something that we need to foreground and I think Kate Morris spoke about that Um, and I I felt like that was a really interesting kind of like insightful uh, conversation about, it was a bit more like wide ranging I guess of like how how the care system works and what, how it could be changed and, and And I thought that she incorporated love into the more like practical, pragmatic, you know, steps that could be taken um, and the kind of explanation of what social work Mm -hmm.
0: is. And um, yeah, on the topic of Kate Morris actually, um, I really loved her answers that she gave. I'm just gonna read them out because it's quite a lot. And um, yeah, it's really brilliant. So she talks about having sufficient you know, income and resources in the care system, not just for, um, you know, children in care and for care leavers, but also for the families of um, these people, that the kids in care, in case they do want to visit their families. But if the families don't have enough money, maybe for like a meal or something like that, if that could be a possibility.
1: Yeah, and also like working with families before young people get into the care system yeah. and actually like alleviating poverty, something that she said to me that really, really resonated, which was, or said to us, sorry, mm-hmm. um, which was, poor people aren't more abusive mm. or worse parents than rich people, but poor people have their kids taken into care at yes. a far higher rate, and I think that's one of the key things to take home, is that it's not that these people are innately bad people. Obviously, there are some people who do really horrible things, but when you've got uh, such high numbers of people coming into care and even more so after the COVID, mm. like it's gone up even more because people are unable to look after their children because they don't have any money yeah. um, or any community support. Again, that goes back to what Anne-Marie says, is that community support is so important.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And we don't need to be, the state doesn't need to be intervening in everyone's Lives by taking their kids away.
0: I really like that you mentioned that. It's true. (laughs) Um, Another thing that uh, Kate Morris said was that care leavers or like you know people that have experienced care need to be co-designing the care system, you know, with people that are making the decisions for care leavers and putting young people's expertise at the forefront of the decision making. And I found that really interesting because. We are experts because we've experienced this and we know exactly where the system is failing us and how it needs to be resolved. And I just like the fact that she talks about putting the power back into young people's hands and taking that like, powerlessness away. Um, one of the topics that we like, wanted to explore and that we have explored throughout the journey of you know, conducting these interviews um, is about the privatization of care. And um, when we did have the interviews and we asked, you know, everybody, like, what did they, what were their views on this? No one, literally no one, condone the idea of privatising care.
1: I know, weird, right? <laughs> I thought we'd had a, we'd struck gold with that one. What, you mean that you shouldn't make money off people being in care? <laughs> nah, surely not. Something that I've learned more recently as well is just, like, the level of private equity firms that own stakes in, like, children's care, what they call provision. And it's, it's crazy, like, the amount of private money and investment that goes into young people's lives um, just for a return a prof- and just for a profit, I mean, it's, it is sickening it really upsets me actually how like how we how people can live with themselves knowing that that's, that they're making money off young people being taken away from their parents yeah, yeah. It, it's really it, it it's bizarre that that's how our society functions
0: yeah and um you know i remember you telling me that you went to was it uh lebanon You went to Palestine and um, you were able to sort of like see firsthand how, you know, the young people who probably didn't have parents were being taken in by, you know, other families. Like, would you like to, you know, talk a bit more about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just a cultural difference, isn't it? It's like Mm -hmm. there you have young people who are whose parents are either in jail or have been killed or um, removed you know, one way or another from their lives. Um, and it's not just other families, but it's organisations and communities where, like, the idea of a state intervention or, like, a children's home doesn't didn't doesn't really even cross people's minds. It's like the, the community will look after that child. And I think there has been, that, like, there is the potential for a cultural shift in the UK now after this COVID nineteen situation, <laughs> with the like, springing up of mutual aid groups, and I it, like I find it really interesting what the role of mutual aid is and what does that mean. And it's a uh, like, it's actually like an old anarchist term. Like it, I think it's bu- uh, Buchanan, I'm gonna get taken up on on <laughs> who came up with it. I don't even think I said Buchanan right, but it's like a it's a. The idea that our communities are the fabric of how society functions and how effective we can be as a society. And if we are looking after each other in solidarity and, and uh, practicing mutual aid, that is like a fundamentally political thing, where if um, my neighbour is got, has got mental health problems, I and the community around me are in a position to lend support for no money or for no exchange, other than the benefit of the whole community. If someone can't uh, has mobility issues, someone else in the community will go to do their shopping for them, and practice solidarity by helping that person out for the benefit of the community and I think it's really interesting that that has kind of sprung up over the last few months like certainly in this er, in my area in North London there is there loads of mutual aid groups popped up but it does give you a bit of an idea of like oh, how we could actually care for each other mm-hmm. rather than having like a state intervening system that was like okay you can't care for your child so we'll take your child away Mm. so okay you are struggling how can you how can a community support you in that
0: i really like that and you know if you were to ask anyone who's experienced care you know what is it that you would want less of and i know for sure they would answer less of like all these people to answer to you know, less of the intimidation of social services or social workers, less of powerlessness and this power struggle and power dynamic that they have power over you because they're your corporate parents, whatever that means, and just more relaxed, more empathy, yeah, and community, much like um, Anne-Marie mentioned.
1: It's almost like a fear, isn't it? hmm Feel like there's like a lot of fear around um, young people who might like behave mm. quote unquote badly or like ex- like express kind of challenging behaviour. It's like there's it's like as if we panic and we don't know what to do with them, and then what we end up doing with them is put them into a system that feeds people into prison. Yeah, you know, yeah,
0: it's really tragic and. Um, I'm working with this other organization and Drive Forward and they have this forum called the Policy Forum and it's just when a group of care leavers come together to create to try and basically create some new, you know, legislation for care leavers. And um, one of the young people like he posted an article in the group chat about how um, if you're a care leaver you're what's it called is it rate of mortality? your life expense your life expectancy is half than the average person and when I saw that I was just so devastated I couldn't believe that you're gonna die much earlier than the average person does because you were you were in a system what is that telling you what is that telling the government
1: It is absolutely mind-blowing
0: isn't it um, so now I f- you know I want to sort of talk about solutions and our individual sort of like perspective on what solutions should be put in place. Um, So the first thing, and this is sort of just like what could be done almost immediately, like long term, you know, I'd have probably, okay, long term I'd probably have like more like radical solutions. But this is a bit more, you know, practical, a bit more realistic and easier to implement sort of straight away. So the first thing is a separate state benefit system for care leavers with the same amount we were receiving when we were in foster care. So this is gonna be enough money for food, for you know rent bills, for clothing, and for travel. And um, I just wanna touch on something really quickly. And when I was in care, so I'm black, and when I was in care, um, they would give like young black girls money for their hair because our hair products were m- much more expensive, getting our hair done and treated was much more expensive. I thought that was such a great, you know, thing that they had. And, of course, that stops when you turn 18 and you're on the state benefit system. But I feel like things like that still being put in place can really enable, you know, you to thrive and keep going.
1: I think that's an amazing idea. um, I, And I really like the idea that, like, there is a shared experience of being in care and that warrants, a kind, of like, a kind of compensation. I mean, if only, like... As a sort of reparations for the damage <laughs> that they've been that has been done to you like over the o- through being in the system, you know like maybe that wouldn't be necessary if the system worked and people were like not fully traumatized by being in care I mean not that that's everyone's experience, but even still, I think that's a great idea and it and it and it allows for that experience to be. It allows you to be able to survive in a way that is uh, like has dignity, you know.
0: Yes, yeah.
1: Uh, um, Mac UK does. Mm. They like they practice this like liberation psychology, right? Where we look at the system that causes uh, mental distress rather than at the people themselves, and rather than kind of telling people that they're sick. You actually understand what their perspective is and what they've gone through, and I feel like that. So combined with pr- properly resourcing people and families um, before anyone goes into care. Once be pe- if people do have to be taken into care, understand allow giving them the autonomy over their narrative and not not in reinforcing this like notion that they are not in control of who they are and what and what they're, they're gonna go through.
0: Mm.
1: And that should be incorporated into, into mental health services. Too often it's just like, oh, we'll feed you drugs.
0: Right, Is if that's gonna solve the problem.
1: Yeah, and give you a label. And then like, oh, you're this, so take these drugs and then just keep taking these drugs. There's no solution in that, mm. you know? There is a solution in understanding why people feel the way that they do and respecting their decisions. I think a complete overhaul of how we view mental health. I was in a psychiatric ward the other day, like in a high secure one. And it was sh- it was shocking. Like it was it felt so it was so dark. Mm-hmm. People were just like losing it. And there was nothing kind of going on. it was not a therapeutic environment it was a p- it felt more like a prison than it did anything else. It was a really really i mean I th- and I think it's come a long way from even like thirty years ago or whatever but it was a it was a grim place to be mm. and uh, yeah I think an overhaul of all of the mental health services is such an important step to take
0: yeah I agree and my final solution is to have a proper community of people um, that are there for you every step and stage of your life post-care. So once you turn 18, you know, social services, they're just like, we will wash your hands off of you now. You're on universal credit. You're going to live in your social housing. That's it from us. That sets you up for failure. This is why the mortality rate or life expectancy is half of the average person. And so having that community post-18, Um, will really just enable that person for success. And um, I remember when we were younger, when I was 16 and I was in care, we used to have so many things. We used to have like this um, homework club. We used to have travel opportunities and charities abroad. um, We used to have loads of events that like social services put on for us. I remember they took us on a boat trip um, down south, like all around Falmouth, Cornwall. And I was like, this is amazing. And all of this just stopped. Once you
1: turn eighteen, see social services—not all bad. (laughs) 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 uh, I I feel like we we get boat trips. uh, Yeah, 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 hundred percent. More of that. (laughs) Um, I feel like we've been quite down on social services, um, and you know, I fully respect the work that social workers do, and it's a it's a a tough, tough job in a tough environment, and they're not to blame for the state of the system there are good ones and bad ones you know but things like that are amazing that kind of community to to be able to resource young people in care going on seeing the sea for the first time or like
0: yes exactly
1: like being with each other even through like homework with stuff that's meant to be boring doing it together you can make it fun exactly why does that have to stop when you reach 18 that doesn't your parents wouldn't stop,
0: right, looking after you. Exactly.
1: I still, I still go around to my parents <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I do, and I, I love it. Double my age, everyone. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> old man. Um, yeah, I, like it's, mm. and it is again, and it's not something that we mentioned, like was mentioned that much. I think Kate mentioned it.
0: Yeah, but it was more Anne Marie that was speaking about community.
1: No, not about community, about, like, age being, like, right. a cut-off. So as soon as you it, r- hit 18, you are kind of thrust into the state benefit system, like you said, and into life as a as a quote-unquote adult, mm. when, firstly, that's not the reality for other people, um, for a lot of other people. I mean, it, it might be reality for some, but, like... That mm. relationship with those, uh, yeah, the relationship with your parents doesn't stop when you're 18, and the relationship with your community doesn't stop when you're 18. So why should it stop for young people in care who need that stuff more than anyone? You know.
0: Right, and I just want to mention that, like, you know, while we were having this, you know, extracurricular and all of these things put in place for us when we were 16, like us and you know me and these other care leavers and um kids and care we had really strong bonds we had really good relationships with one another but that was broken once we turned 18 because some people you know they were struggling with housing and they had to figure that out some people had no money they couldn't you know afford to even travel to go anywhere and some people you know maybe their mental health started railing and this is when that those bonds get broken this is when the community gets broken
1: It's that infrastructure isn't it around you like it's just as the infrastructure around y- you as a as a kid in care was able to foster those good relationships with your peers. When that's removed, that's that kind of falls apart because everyone's so stressed about surviving again. Mm-hmm,
0: exactly.
1: And it's not that hard to do, right? Like it's not that hard to just say this in every area if you've been in care, then you there are these resources up to the <laughs> age of 30, and then the people who hit 30, for example, can then become the facilitators yeah. for those groups, you exactly. know? And that, like, you know, and the Care Experience community is a strong community, and I don't really, like, you know, I only really know bits and pieces of, of like, what is called the Care Experience community as a, like, who did the Care Experience conference, and like, there's a group of people who are advocating or um, for young people in care, and care leavers, and, as I mentioned, the 10 demands. But that that has had to be built from nothing, you know, with no kind of uh, infrastructure around it. And it's hard for young people who are in care now to even know that that's going on, because it's so... it's It's having to fight to exist all the time. Yeah rather than being facilitated by the amount of money that goes into the care system.
0: Right, and like having these communities can actually make you forget about you know, the trauma that you've had to endure and you know, the fact that you're constantly trying to just survive. It can help you, know, help you forget about that and make you feel normal. That's exactly what care leavers wanna feel, normal. I kind of want to get your perspective. What solutions do you think would would work from sort of like your professional standpoint as somebody who's worked with care leavers?
1: Yeah. Um, well, you know, I think one of the things that really gets me about the care system and what I've always noticed about it is that young people in care You know, twenty-seven percent of the prison population have been in care, and that's like a that's a minimum estimate, because uh, for all sorts of reasons, like whether people don't declare whether they've been in care or whether prisons don't collect the data effectively, or like whatever it is. But a third, a minimum of a third of prisoners have been in care, and I so what I would want to see is an acknowledgement of that uh, if we're talking like practical steps an acknowledgement of that and an acknowledgement that, that these people are imprisoned for having been through traumatic experiences and an acknowledgement that trauma plays a part in or like is a significant part of what behaviors people exhibit and like I'm not about to kind of justify people's criminal behavior, although I think our, our, our definition of criminality is so far off the mark. But what I would say is that those people's criminality, in inverted commas, is a, a result, a direct result of their experiences mm-hmm. as young people and as children impacted by being in poverty Impacted by having multiple placement moves, impacted by being in abusive situations and having abusive relationships, which creates a narrative of worthlessness or right. n- a low expectation for themselves and an expectation that they will end up in jail, for example. Um, so, I would I w- firstly, I would want an acknowledgement that that is. That the care system is directly responsible for traumatizing people, and that it needs uh, proper investment with proper money. The money that we spend on prisons should be scrapped, and it should be invested in building communities, as you were saying, Joy, mm-hmm. um, and properly resourcing people who are on the edge of care families whose kids are about to be taken into care and then if they do have to be taken into care properly resourcing their life experience in a therapeutic and loving and nurturing environment i would say before that um like we know these things but I i would say before that young people in care and care leavers being at policy making decisions at, like not just at the table, but being responsible for mm-hmm. shaping and what the care system looks like, and having unlimited resources to do that. Um, we can take a we can do a care review, and I think like if that is practical nec- next steps, um, you know, like the one that's happened in Scotland, then so be it. But I mean, I would say that that would that would be worth nothing if uh, the care experience community wasn't at the forefront of. Conducting that review and implementing the changes um, that should be made in that situation. Um, Yeah, I think eliminating poverty is one of the most important things we could do as a society, uh, and abolishing prisons. And I know there's a lot of talk after the Black Lives Matter thing, you know, uh, the galvanization of uh, young people into the Black Lives Matter movement of like defunding the police and I fully support that. Um because nine out of ten times the police are called to a situation that the police don't need to be involved in. What the people that need to be involved in if it's a domestic abuse case, um, then you should have women's rights activists at those situations to be able to support women in the yeah. in the way that they need. Um one of the common arguments is like well, what would you do with all the rapists? It's like, well, three percent of rapes are get get um, convicted or, or rapists get convicted. So it's not like the system is working currently, and I think that's true for like the same as true for abuse in the care system, and the same as you know what what we're punishing is people's petty c- petty crimes, um, and I think that's uh, a ridiculous way of of structuring society.
0: Mm-hmm. and I feel like you know talking about just systems are just no longer working like you've just mentioned um, there's been a legislation that's been passed where um inspectors so like Ofsted and you know just people coming to check and regulate care homes and young people in foster care homes that has now been reduced and honestly this you know is a travesty because even with the inspections that's happening now there is still so much that is happening there's still so much being unreported there's still so much abuse that's taken place and now with less you know of that what what we're going to end up seeing
1: yeah exactly um and that's si 45 uh 445 and that has been implemented by a conservative government under covid 19 legislation and that is something that they've been trying to do for years and have tried, I think f- over the last 10 years, have tried four times to deregulate um, children's homes and reduce the amount of uh, inspections that happen and uh, just generally cut back on on their statutory involvement as the state to make sure that abuses don't happen in public in, uh, Places where children are being cared for—it's um, sickening to know that that's a project that they're even trying to implement. Like, and that they do it under the guise of this pandemic, as if it's like now under this like new normal or whatever, they can implement these these changes that are gonna r- like see young people in care be at increased risk of abuse and neglect and it's uh, it's really sad. So I mean, yeah. Scrap that for a start.
0: Right. Yeah, I feel like, you know, ignorance can be no more and, you know, act, you know, everyone that's just involved acting as if they don't realize what's going on. That can't be anymore.
1: And you know what, yeah? Like I know we talk about the care experience community being in positions of power, making, uh, being in decision making positions, and I think that is absolutely fundamental. But the other thing is, like, everyone else, like, this is your society too. Yeah. You know, this is your community as well. These are your brothers and sisters who are being left out on the like on the scrap heap because. like we can't be bothered to stand up for them And, and it's the same with Black Lives Matter like white people like you can do all the learning and stuff you want but like push comes to shove you need to like take action against like racist policies that are being implemented in your name and if you don't you're complicit like we know that the police are institutionally racist we have had that conversation so many times why are they still being allowed to implement racist policies? We know that young people in care are being failed time and time again and being pushed into the prison system. Why are we standing for it? I don't understand. Well, maybe I do. It's hard to survive, I get it. But there's a lot of people with comfortable lives who would rather just like go shopping. Um, but I mean, like you know, it's hard. It's hard to be joyful and like, mm-hmm. uh, like bubbly and and uh, kind of super happy about this subject because it's because so yeah. it is so sad. But I mean, there are like there are also examples of, w- of 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 like wonderful things happening. And I was wondering if you had any thoughts on on any of those.
0: Yeah, um, I feel like because the social care system has failed so many young people, um, there have been so many organizations that have birthed from that. Um, You know, um, Anne-Marie's organization, Peer Power, that, you know, came from that. And that is just an amazing organization, an organization I work with that I love so much, Drive Forward. I feel like they could be, you know, um, the social care system. And um, they really put that power back into caregivers hands and they help you as much as they can to experience a normal life and to feel like you are equipped and adequate enough and competent enough to be successful. And we need more of that. And um, I feel like we're wrapping up now, but before our final goodbyes for now, I just want to say that I am working really hard I'm doing a lot so that I can be an example for other care leavers and people that have experienced you know, the care system. And being that example that you can make it and you can be successful. I'm working really hard every single day so I can be an example, you know, for others. And I want you to, you know, don't fall into the trap of victimhood. Don't feel like you are completely powerless. Rise above, rise above the system. <laughs> And know that you too can make it.
1: Thank you for listening to Transforming Care. Transforming Care is an autonomous media production hosted by myself, Jake Blake, and Joy Milani. You can find us at autonomousmedia.org, on Twitter at media underscore autonomy, and on Instagram at autonomous underscore media underscore london underscore they're long i know i hope you enjoyed the show and tune in next week